And welcome back to the Kenny and JT Show. Time to talk some NBA All-Star Weekend and the second half of the season. And who better to talk to about it than the man who called the action on All-Star Saturday night, the All-Star Game on Sunday. He is the lead NBA voice for ESPN Radio. Good friend of the show, Mark Kestis, you're joining us. How are you, Kesty? Kenny, JT, always good to be on with you. You might hear the voice is still a little raspy from Saturday night. And uh, calling how many points? 397 <laughs> yesterday. So uh, uh, hopefully I'll be good in time for next weekend for the next game. Well, that's great, Kesty. And what a great experience for you getting to do both. Let's start with Saturday night. JT and I have been discussing what we liked the best. And I'm curious to see what you liked the best and what the crowd appreciated the most. Uh, you go ahead and then we'll tell you what we thought was the best over the weekend. Yeah, I think, you know, the last couple of years uh, when asked before, all-Star Saturday night. I always default to the three-point contest. I wish we finished with the three-point contest because it's the most involved the crowd is. It's the most, um, you know, for a simulated event, it's the closest you get to the real thing. Uh, you get the stars out there. I know we had Jalen Brown in the slam dunk, so, you know, maybe people will follow uh, his entrance into it, and we can have All-Stars return to the event. And uh, Sabrina against Steph probably stole the show. I'm interested to see what you guys thought. Exactly what we felt. One hundred percent, Kesty. I mean, I, from that yeah. standpoint, uh, I was curious to see how it would go down, and then the build-up. She goes first and puts up the same number that all the guys put up right prior to <laughs> that uh, in the three-point shootout, and could Steph top that? And sure enough, he did. So I thought it was spectacular from the exhibition standpoint of everything that took place there. How did the crowd react to it uh, from the, the build-up to it, and then did it live up to the hype, you think, for them? Yeah, I think they appreciated it. I know there's a lot of fans from out of town that come in, love to go to All-Star Weekend, but there were a lot of, uh, you know, regular Pacer fans and just, you know, you know what, how Indiana is. It's uh, just basketball heaven, all levels, whether it be pro or the college teams and mostly the high school teams, you know, the high school tournaments there are, are off the charts. So I think they really appreciated it. Uh, we had a chance uh, to interview Sabrina Unescu uh, the morning of, Sunday, Saturday morning, and it's the first time I've ever met her. And I think as I expected, you know, cool as a cucumber, you know, totally confident in her abilities. And then when you see her walk out on the floor, it's all this pomp and circumstance and this huge spotlight with 30,000 people staring in. You know, just me watching her and reading her, I don't know how she felt really on the inside, but I don't think she was nervous at all. And I had to go back and watch that YouTube video from the WNBA three-point contest when she hit 20 in a row and only missed two shots. And she comes out of the gate hitting the first seven, and I'm thinking, you might run the table here. And, you know, she missed a few and put up a great score, as you pointed out, and really put the pressure on, on Steph Curry. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. She's a, a San Francisco Bay Area girl, so no doubt next year at the All-Star Game in San Francisco between Curry and her, and who knows if Caitlin Clark is available as a WNBA or if she doesn't go back to school, and um, maybe Clay Thompson if he's still a warrior. Maybe they put together some kind of tandem thing next year at Chase Center. What a talent, man. And she's shooting from the NBA three line, too. Yeah. And we're watching this yeah. going, man, this is just electric. I mean, it was like a video game. And speaking of video games, Mark Kestisher, I want you to talk a little bit about that basketball court because when we were watching it the <laughs> night before the game, is this thing LED or is this kind of like what we used to see at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse where they did it with some type of form of light show? I don't know what it was. It was, from what I was told, and I don't know if it was an inflated number, but somebody told me it was one million 
LED lights in the whole floor. It's made of glass. So I, I was afraid to walk on it. In fact, they told the media not to walk on it when we got there a few hours early. But clearly, it had been used in uh, the German League. It had been used in FIBA. And they said it tested out, you know, like hardwood. And they were worried about the heat with all the lights. That was tested out, too. It graded out. I was waiting for the dunk contest. You ever see those videos when, you know, the 49ers lose and the 49er fan at the party punches the 65-inch plasma TV and it completely <laughs> shatters and shuts down? I was waiting for one of the dunkers to come down like uh, Jacob Toppin and blow out like three squares, and it didn't happen. Uh, we were courtside, and we didn't really get the full effect of it. It was a little dull from where we were looking. Okay. Like when it went to a, the parquet floor, the, it simulated the Celtics parquet floor, and everybody booed. I'm like, why is everybody booing? Because we really didn't get the full effect. But okay. as you go up the stands and the folks in the middle and the upper decks and certainly on TV – I think that's where the full effect was, but it's uh, yeah, it's like 22nd century space age stuff. You know, and I'm wondering, uh, some of these fans, we're hearing it all over the place today, that weren't really enthralled with everything that went down uh, on the All-Star weekend, whether it was a skills competition into the game. Is it fair that this thing comes a week after Super Bowl? We saw star power at the Super Bowl. You saw, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to look at Guy Fieri at the sideline. <laughs> they were right next to us. It was just, you know, one after another, after another, it's, look, I don't know if it's broken, the whole, you know, I, I, the dunk contest, we, we came out of nowhere, guys that nobody knows about, came out of nowhere last year and hit their first dunks very acrobatically, and uh, I, I felt we got some juice out of that, and then we kind of slid back a little bit. I don't know how we improve the All-Star game if nobody is willing to really try to play basketball, especially in a weekend where the commissioner – you know, kind of put it out there for everybody to know, yeah, we're going to have a good game. And Larry Bird tries to fire everybody up with, come on, guys, back in my day we competed. And then um, nothing really happened. We saw a display of great three-point shooting. Um, I don't know what the final totals were, but it felt like I called uh, about 165 three-point <laughs> attempts. Uh, many of them went in for Tyrese Halliburton, was, which was exciting, and Damian Lillard, who won the MVP. Uh, but the complete lack of anything, you know, any semblance of defensive basketball, because it wasn't close. We might have got it in the fourth quarter if it was. Uh, but to see the scoreboard go to 200, <laughs> I thought I'd never see that in my lifetime in any kind of game. Dusty, I'm okay with it because it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's mm -hmm. an exhibition game. And hey, we got to see Carl Anthony Towns hit from outside and do some great dunks yesterday, right? And he's not going to be in the dunk contest. Maybe he is now. So uh, I want to see a lot of points. I don't need to see a 98, 92 all-star game where defense is yeah. the, the, the key. I love the fact that they're passing between their legs, throwing it off the board, shooting half-court uh, half three-point shots. I'm fine with that. I don't see why the, the commissioner is up in arms about it because it is what it is, an exhibition game. Okay, that's a great point. And, Mark, it's no different than going to see the Globetrotters. I mean, they never lose, do they? <laughs> that is true, but I don't know if I paid $500 to go <laughs> see the Globetrotters. But you know what? You know what you're getting when you're going in. So I Bingo. agree with you guys because it is, you know, we're seeing the best players show their offensive skills, let them loosen up a little bit. You know, if I could get 5% defense or, you know what, you know what I'd really would like to take out is there was a, a section probably late third quarter, early fourth quarter when guys were shooting from beyond half court. I think Luca, I don't think Luca Doncic really cares at all about the all-star game, except hanging out mm -hmm. with his buddies all weekend and good on him. You know, he's, it, he's there for a celebration, but 
I never saw anything at one second that uh, showed that he really wanted to play any kind of basketball last night and, and even last year in Utah as well. So, Mark, this goes back to the players and do they want to be there. And I was thinking about this on the way in today, and I thought, well, if they didn't want to be part of the All-Star weekend, then why do they bitch when they don't make the team? Yeah, well, you know, that's a good point. They want it on the resume. Mm-hmm. You know, when you uh, click on that player profile and it says five-time All-Star or you've never been an All-Star, it's, it's a little uh, check of the box. Uh, the first-time All-Stars, to me, that's my, my favorite part. And there were four of them, you know, in the East. So you see, you know, the Jalen Brunsons of the world. Uh, you know, coming in for the first time, and Paolo Bencaro, Scotty Barnes, and Tyrese Maxey, the appreciation. But you're right, you get to a point where you're in your 20th, and I don't even know if LeBron was in Indianapolis until Sunday. He might have came in on Saturday, but, you know, we didn't see him until his press conference, and then, uh, you know, he only played about 13 or 14 minutes. I, I think there's everything else that goes on that people don't realize, too, from when the All-Stars land in Indy, they're doing so much stuff that nobody sees. Their schedule is immense. Now, should they play in the game? Should that be priority one? And should they play the game hard? We would all like that. Um, but I think there's that badge of honor. You do as much as you can. I'm sure there's a few parties here and there. And, uh, you know, by the time you get to the game, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm on my lawnmower with my black socks pulled all the way up to my knees and yelling at the clouds at this point. <laughs> Mark Kestis, your lead NBA voice for ESPN Radio, did everything on radio over the weekend, All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis, joining us here on the Kenny and JT Show. Kesty, I'm going to give you uh, something that you can pass along maybe to uh, the commissioner when you see him next, all right? Uh, And this is a way to fix the dunk contest. I put some thought into this, all right? Uh, U.S. Open Golf Tournament, right? You have qualifiers from around the the United States qualifying for that, and so many guys get to qualify and actually play in the tournament. I think we're seeing better dunks outside of the NBA, on YouTube, on TikTok, and everything like that. I think you hold basically a U.S. Open dunk contest and then invite the four to six winners uh, to All-Star Weekend and either have them as the dunkers or do a team dunk contest where you take those guys that qualified versus four NBA players and you have a team dunk off. What do you think? You know, I have no problem with that at all. Like, I have no problem with Mac McClung, even if he only played four NBA games, or Jacob Toppin, who's only played five NBA games. You know, he's in the G League. You know, if you could find great talent, it's exciting to watch. I have no yeah. problem with it. Now, what I, what I would say is, let's put that event in the middle. Let's finish with the three points. You know, the dunk is what it is, what it was. It's never going to be Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. We're not going to get that level of stardom and, you know, because there's only so many things you could do until you start jumping over cars and jumping over seven feet Hall of mm-hmm. Famers. So I don't mind the athleticism. It's really cool up close. I don't know how it plays on TV. I think it plays best in low motion video, and you can really see what these guys can do. But let's uh, let's revamp the skills. Maybe put the dunk and open it up. You know, uh, how you say, however you say, second, and then let's get to the main event. Three okay. pointers, and if we want to incorporate some WNBA stars as well, uh, because to me, that's the best part of Saturday night. Are they feeling a lot of the pressure because of what the NFL has done and they've gotten away from their Pro Bowl? I don't know if they have. I mean, you know, there's, there, you know, there's, there's always a competition. There's a competition for days. We know the mm-hmm. NFL kind of took over Christmas there for a few years, and uh, I think the NBA is happy. It falls, I think, on a Wednesday next year, so they might have Christmas to themselves again. Um, 
But I don't know. Maybe from a players' association standpoint, that's a good question. I, I should uh, query some of the players when we get back in the second half and see if, if any of that is true. Because it's possible. You know, it's possible that you know something high profile uh, like that from the NFL could filter down. Uh, to NBA All-Star. Well, the other thing that we weren't sure about was the in-season tournament, but you put a price tag on that and you pay the winners, what, 500000 and the losers even made money too. Maybe they got to throw some money at this All-Star weekend. You know, I, I was saying that on Thursday and Friday uh, when I did a couple of uh, affiliate calls and they said, how can we make this better? And the last thing I would say, in addition to, I really don't know because I'm not smart enough, is I hate to do it, but we may have to reach into the purse again. <laughs> We just gave the winning team of the in-season tournament a half million each, which clearly worked, or at least was part of the solution. We may have to do it again. I mean, that's – I know for a lot of guys who are making $50 million a year, which, you know, it's the 1% of the NBA. They've got a half million in their couch cushion just rattling around. Uh, but I, I think that opens up some eyes. <laughs> but the problem is, you know, you know how basketball works. It's a long game, and you just need it to be close in the last five, the last eight minutes. So I don't know if it solves the first three quarters, uh, but I, I think it's certainly something the league's going to have to look at because clearly they didn't blink when they you know, paid a whole team of guys a half million per. They may have to do it again at the All-Star game. And I want to add a one-on-one or a horse competition too, Kesty, as part of All-Star <laughs> Saturday night. You know what? I think everything should be on the table. You know, We've had these three formats for what feels like about a decade. Maybe yep. it's time to shuffle it up. I'm cool with that. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun to see. Mark Custis here joining us, talking NBA basketball. All right, All-Star weekend is over. Now we approach the so-called second half of the season. And, Kesty, what's the national perspective about our Cleveland Cavaliers, first in the Central, ahead of Milwaukee, second as the seeding goes in the Eastern Conference right now? I would say if you're not watching enough NBA, they're not getting enough love because when you talk about the East, they're like the last team that I hear. But – if you, you know, pay attention and, you know, most of the folks that I run with do, that's the team you're kind of afraid of right now. Obviously, Boston's the class of the conference, class of the league right now, had a great uh, first two-thirds, if you will, or 55 games. The Bucks, we all know, well-documented, documented, have their issues. The Sixers, I don't know. I mean, I don't know when Joel Embiid comes back. I don't know how he's going to be when he comes back. The Knicks have had a great uh, run, got bolstered by some trades, but they're dealing with a lot of injury. And so it stuns me when I you know, listen to folks that I uh, trust as good NBA observers, and then Cleveland's like the last team they talk about of those teams I just mentioned. I'm like, they should be number two. They are number two in the conference. And you guys know better than I that this run that they went into the break at 18 of 20 started before the guys even got back yet. You know, the guys who were injured got back yet, and – so they're deep. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll add some depth in the buyout market. Doesn't matter. I mean, they're playing as well, if not uh, better, than any team in the league, and that includes the Clippers right now. The question always is, you know, are you peaking early? Can you keep this momentum through the last third of the season, and then you get into a playoff series? We know what happened last year. It was very disappointing. Uh, but you build on that, and uh, is this team, you know, depending on matchups, you know, how they, will they fare in a best of seven? But I think uh, they should be talked about right at the top next to Boston when you're talking about the Eastern Conference. Last thing, Mark Kestershire will let you go so you can catch your flight and get back home and enjoy some R&R. Uh, of all the teams you've seen 
Does one besides Boston stand out? In the West, it's a number of teams I look at right now. And then in the East besides Boston, uh, what, what do you say as far as that? I'm going to take Boston. I'm going to take Cleveland off the table because that would probably be the team that I would mention right here. I think the Clippers, it's a little bit, at least in my end of the world, you know, underreported because there's so much talk about the Lakers when you talk about Los Angeles. And then quietly, the Clippers, after a bad start, have, I, I, I don't know, I believe it's the best record in the league since the first 10 games of the season. Obviously, we talked to Paul George on Saturday when we were doing our interviews. And before we even finished a question about what's it going to take, you know, he said help. And we know with Kawhi Leonard on that team, with Paul George on that team, you know, that's going to be the biggest thing for them. But uh, I think two teams, if I could add one more besides the Clippers, yeah. and it would be Oklahoma City because I love the young talent on that team. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an incredible talent that's lost in the middle of the country on a team that nobody thinks about. Jalen Williams, nobody knows about him. Everyone knows Chet Holmgren but may not realize coming off his injury last year how great he's having of a rookie season. I don't know if they have enough of uh, you know that knowledge to go deep in the playoffs. Maybe youth is a good thing and they don't think about it. I think that's another that's a scary team uh, in the West that no one pays attention to. All right, I lied. I always find one more question I want to ask you. Victor Wembenyama, your impressions of I'm Wemby, damn it. What do you think uh, of the rookie from San Antonio? Well, uh, I, have, I have little marks in time with him because I was there for his first summer league game in Las Vegas, and it felt to me like this is the best prospect of all time. And then, you know, you saw him at the start of the season. You're like, all right, you know, he's been working on his game. And then we uh, did uh, San Antonio's game in Atlanta on MLK Day, and I was like, whoa. This guy, not only does he want to work and does he want Greg Popovich to be hard on him, he wants to learn. He's a sponge. You could already see in just a couple of months how he's already getting better. And then we got another up-close look at him at the Rising Stars game on Friday night. And even though he's thin, and it's stunning when you see like seven-footers next to him that look small, um, yeah. you know, he's stronger than he looks. And he's going to put on, hopefully – you know, maybe 30, 40 pounds like Giannis did who had that wiry body. But the skills at that size, it's almost freaky to watch. You know, a guy who could step out and shoot a three, who could defend on the three and then roll and block you from behind. And even when he goes up and he's 10 feet away and you're like, all right, maybe he'll, you know, do the little artist Gilmore finger roll. No, he could slam dunk it from 10 feet away. It's, it's really freakish to watch and he's just getting started. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how that career develops for him to see if he can match up to, of course, uh, the 21st year of LeBron James and the hype that came with him coming out of high school. Hey, Kesty, we always appreciate the time you make for us, my friend. Let me know uh, if you're coming to town to do a Cavs game here uh, this second half and safe travels, and we'll talk again soon, all right? I can't wait, and I hope we get lots of Cavs games because I love the way that team's playing. Good chatting with you guys. There he is, Mark Kestis here, the best in the business, lead NBA voice for ESPN Radio, joining us here on the Kenny and JT Show.